Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome everybody to another episode of After Work Drinks With. This week we are so excited to be speaking to Jess B, me even more so than anyone because she is another Kiwi. Over the last couple of years Jess has been building an insane reputation as one of the most promising and thoughtful rappers to emerge out of New Zealand, um, which is a spotlight that's usually dominated by one of her male peers. So Jess has already won a bunch of awards, including the Best New Zealand Act at the 2019 MTV Awards. She had a Triple J debut earlier this year. She's played Splendor in the Grass, Laneway and Splore. She's played alongside Future and Young Thug. Plus, she runs Filth, which is the coolest club night in Auckland and is a safe space for queer folk and people of colour in New Zealand. We talked to Jess about drastically switching careers midway through your 20s, tall poppy syndrome, the weird-ass pussy controversy, the unique experience of being a woman in rap, and working out what it is that really fulfills you. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe, and we will see you all again on Wednesday. See you Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Yes, let's get started. Thank you for talking to us, Jess. Yeah, thank you so much. It was fun being home in New Zealand and like I heard of you, but it was like cool to come back and like see all of the cool new music and like what everyone's excited about. I told my sister I was interviewing you and she like lost her mind. Really? Oh, that's so nice. World famous yeah. in Auckland City, nowhere else in the world. Literally same. Like when I got home as well, because our podcast is our podcast is mostly Australian. But I got home, and because Auckland is like so compact, you know, like if you're going to go anywhere, you go to like three cafes or two restaurants. Yep. And I kept getting recognised because of the podcast. I was like, this is fucking oh, wild. That's crazy. That's cool. People are listening. I know that big in Auckland. Yeah, yeah, yeah big in Auckland. Yeah, do you also see like every single one of your exes? Because I feel like that's also what happens in Auckland. Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh, I dated them. When I was in Perth, I went into a New Year's warehouse party and I saw three of my ex-boyfriends in the first 20 minutes. Like one, two, three. It was foul. Grace, I didn't even tell you. Have I told you the story about that guy, Harry, and I went on a date with him. I went on one date with him and then the next date he asked me to come to his house and he was going to cook me dinner. And I arrived at like 7 p.m. and he was off his fucking face wasted 
Have I told you about this guy? This is ringing a bell, yeah. And he was so hammered that he, like, literally... He was trying to cook Tom Yum soup, and it was just a disaster. And I was, like, sitting there, and I was like, I don't know when is okay to leave this situation. And then... Um, so, anyway, I just ate the soup. And then he, comat- he comatose on the couch at, like, 7.30. And I was like... So I just let so I just let myself out, and then I, I bumped into him in Auckland. Oh my god! Like last Did he week. even remember? Fox. Yeah, he was. Uh, I just kind of ignored him, <laughs> but he was at the party I was at, and I was like, "No, no, Harry." I'm we're triggered not going by there. you, Harry. <laughs> um, okay, Jess. So let's talk about you. Can you please talk to us a little bit to start with about your childhood, growing up, formative experiences in the life of Jess B. Wow, that's expensive question. I guess I'll start at the beginning. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I was born in Auckland, raised in Auckland. Um, I am of Kenyan descent. Um, so my dad's side of family is Kenyan and my mum's side of family is Pakia, white New Zealander. Um, or I, like she's Irish. Um, and, man, I mean... I guess, like, my most, like, formative, um, like, stuff that I could probably talk about is, like, my background in netball Um, because that was, like, my whole life until, like, three years ago. Um, So I just grew up. That was my thing. Um, That was who I wanted to be. I was going to be in the Silver Ferns and I was going to do the whole shebang and be an athlete. Um, and so I kind of, all through high school, that was what I was doing and, and pursuing. Um, and music was always kind of like the thing that I always really enjoyed, but wasn't ever anything that I took seriously. Um, and then I left school and I started playing, um, for the mystics and, um, whatnot, getting paid to do that. So that was cool. And then, um, at some point, um, I just sort of started getting music opportunities I mean that's that's really like simplified but I um was playing netball and at the time I'd met just by chance a couple of people who um were involved in the music industry here and then I got when I got dropped from the team the last professional team that I played for it was like one door closed and another one opened you know and I just started getting more opportunities musically um and then it kind of developed from there and now I, I do that for a living I do music it's so crazy so yeah I read that you got dropped by your netball team but it's like getting dropped by your netball team when that's all you thought you were going to do for the rest of your life must have been a pretty crazy experience it was a tragedy yeah absolutely and then now this has happened and it's like has that kind of helped to we listen to this podcast called how to fail and basically the person lists all of their biggest failures that have kind of turned changed made them into the people they are today and it's like has that kind of that door closing and the other one opening redefined your relationship with success do you think like a hundred percent and I think it's also really crazy I think probably the the wildest thing that I noticed when I changed um was that like I felt uh, like I've just I had I felt like I had evidence of being on the right path because netball was something that I dedicated every ounce of energy in my bones to, um, and I was very passionate and dedicated and all of the things that, you know, tick all the boxes for success. But there was just like something about it that wasn't 
working. Like it just wasn't filling me up. Like I felt like I was having to work, you know, 10 times harder just to get, take one small step. And then the next day I would, you know, something would set me back again. Um, and as soon as I changed to doing music, I started feeling like, you know, I was putting the same amount of effort into what I was doing, but I was actually feeling like I was getting something back. And I don't even necessarily mean that in like a, the sense of like being able to do this as in the opportunities um, that kind of flowed on, which is part of it. But even just like inside me, like the way that I felt about doing music and having it be something that was enriching for my life and like the people that I've met by doing music have been the best people that have been in my life so far. And so I'm just like, there's literally no reason, like everything has that all these like failures have led me to like the best parts of my life on a, just like a real personal level. You know what I mean? When I like shut my bedroom door at night and I'm thinking about my life, I'm so much like more stoked with how things are now than I was even when I was seemingly doing really, really well with netball. Um, so that's, it's like, and it's crazy because it just honestly feels like it's two different people now. Like it's two different lives that I've lived, it feels like. So, I mean, it's cool though. It's cool to feel like that. I definitely appreciate feeling like that or I notice it. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's also, you've had, I saw you post something on Instagram or I think you were in a festival, you were a part of a lineup that was headlined by fucking Grace Jones. <laughs> and I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. And you said something about, I want to take a moment to appreciate this because I feel like I hit these achievements in my career and don't take the time to marvel at how incredible it is. It's just, you're always on to the next thing. And me and Izzy talk about that a lot where we'll say, we'll be so happy if we just get this person on the podcast or if we just hit this numbers or whatever, and then it happens and we don't even take the time to appreciate it. And we're just on to the next thing. And it's just chasing, chasing, chasing. What is your relationship with that whole thing like? I think that that's like exactly how we tend to operate. It's like the thing that you five years ago was your biggest dream is like an everyday thing to like you now. Um, and I think that I definitely have moments where I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, I'll have like, especially they, they kind of come, I think, in bigger ways with music because they're, I feel like, performing on a stage and um, those sorts of things are really big moments and it's so emotionally heightened anyway um, that it can be really easy to like, uh, those are the only moments that you stop and think about. Whereas I think that all of the smaller moments that lead up to that stuff is so cool too. Like um, even just the creation process for me, like being in studio and trying something new and then ending up with something that I, really like or I'm proud of um regardless of whether it comes out is something that I really enjoy um so I've tried to be more like mindful of like the process and not just always focusing on like outward goals like I wanted to get booked at this festival or this festival or whatever um but the festival that you're talking about Auckland City Limits um was one of the first festivals I got booked for so that that had always been a goal for my of mine um while doing music so those moments felt like really huge and even now when I think about that actually because I played at like I think I played at 12 15 p.m 
Um, so the crowd that I was performing to at that festival was literally just the crowd that was sort of walking in. It was absolutely no, there was no crowd in front of me. And I was sort of just like <laughs> waving to people as they were continuing on into the festival, you know? And like, okay, that's so crazy. It's crazy to me. Like, cause now, I mean, I've, I guess I've had different experiences. So that seems like so cute and like little, but it was me two years ago, you know? Yeah. It feels like forever ago, but it was just literally just now yeah yeah I think I really love what you just said about thinking about the process because I've even realized that as you as you get older people focus on like people focus on people with jobs that they actually can see are really cool because like you know you'll be headlining a festival or you'll get your song played on triple j and you can like announce these successes but as I've gotten older I've just been like there are so many people that every single day do incredible things and we just don't even like no one celebrates it because it's just like deemed not fun or something like I don't know and everybody's got fucking weird right like the people like just because people are doing things really loudly and on a big public stage Mm. doesn't mean that they're any you know more great than any of the other things that people achieve in their lives they just seem to be given the spotlight literally I guess (laughs) yeah so this week we were talking about WAP and Megan Stallion and Cardi B and the whole kind of kind of frankly unexpected from our perspective backlash that surrounded it and we were wondering what your reaction was to seeing how that song and music video was discussed you never cease to amaze me in a bad way um with this stuff <clears throat> like some people just hate women having agency over their own bodies and what they say and i just hate to see it i really do um I think that like whether the song itself is like someone's personal taste or not, there shouldn't really be an argument about like, I personally can't understand why when I could list a thousand million trillion songs with men talking about this and that, why there seems to be such a big social discourse around two women who choose to do the same thing. Like it's like a like a cultural thing when we're being like, whoa, is this okay? After as if they're the first people to ever do it, um, and it's frustrating to be completely honest with you. Yeah, well, we were talking about it in the context of it seems like people still are getting their head around female rappers because, like you say, everything that existed in that music video and song was not groundbreaking in the sense of not covering any ground that rap hadn't covered in the past. So is that something that you've like experienced in your career or are you kind of in a place where there aren't people around you that are making that kind of noise? I mean, for me personally, I mean, I haven't really made like a what equivalent song yet. I wouldn't roll, roll it out. But um, so, I mean, I haven't necessarily had backlash in terms of my content. Um, but I do think as a woman in a male-dominated industry, there are many, many challenges that presents, present themselves uh, from every angle that almost, I think, are so ingrained in our society that there's like subconscious kind of like, you know, like just our opinions or like our um, the way that lots of dudes would just be like, I don't hate the song because of the content. I hate the song because Cardi B sucks or whatever it is, you know, and even this perception of uh, like female rap or woman that rap um, 
can be, I feel like you have to do 10 times more to be, you know, you have to be a certain level before you're seen as like, for example, I think that if you had a list of all of the, the rappers, um, in New Zealand and Australia, say all the male, all my male equivalents in terms of like size, status, streams, all of it. If you lined it up and you found the ones who were equivalent to me and you gave all of those names to a promoter and you were like, cool, we need you to pick a headline act from this group. I feel like my name would be the last one to be picked. Like not, and, and not because of any reason that is about numbers. It's just perception. And the fact that men are in positions of power in music and their subconscious bias towards male rappers is in the forefront of the decision-making, whether they realize it or not. And I mean, I could be wrong. I would love to be pleasantly surprised, um, but it's just the feeling that I get at this point in my career where I've done the, I've done the, the kind of hard work in terms of like playing at 12.15 at a festival because I want to be there and I've done the free events and I've, you know, I've kind of come to a point in my career where I'm like, I want to, I want to be at this festival because you want, you like my music and you want me to be there. Not because I'm ticking a box for you. And I want to play to a crowd that represent like that is reflective of my skill level as a performer, you know, as well as my size. Um, and I don't think that I've had many opportunities yet in that way. I've had a few amazing, amazing festival experiences with um, people who've, you know, taken a chance and put me on a, like a late night slot. Um, but I would love to see it diversify even more and not instantly try and put, you know, yeah, me on early. And I feel like there's like more conversation now about lineups and especially in the media recently, there's been a lot of talk about looking at lineups and looking to see if they're diverse and looking to see if women are included, but it's still just, yeah, as you said, doesn't really feel like the conversation's changing. And then also you want it to change for the right reason because they want you to be there, not because they want you to just. And I don't, I don't want to just see women on lineups. I want to see women playing at times on lineups that are, that reflects like how great they are, because that's, that's kind of what I'm getting to is like, I might be the only female rapper from New Zealand who's on a lineup, but you probably won't see me because I might be on before you get there. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that there's still a lot of work to be done, not just to include women in the lineups, but also being able to showcase them and allow them to grow their, their own, you know, fan bases and stuff by having time slots that, you know, allows them to do their thing in front of people that, you know, will probably really enjoy it. Yeah. So, um, you put on your Instagram highlights recently a whole range of Kiwi and Aussie black creatives that people can support and amplify the voices of. And obviously the conversation recently has been so heavily focused on America, which is really important, but there's still such a huge problem in New Zealand as well. Do you think that people are a bit in denial about how the situation is at home? Yes. 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 I would say that people like definitely in New Zealand have that attitude of like, oh, but we're not as bad as America. 
you know, or we're not as bad as Australia. Or being surprised when people tell stories of, you know, experiences that have been, you know, discriminatory. And I think that while I hope that this year at least has helped to sort of like, you know, remove any um, questions around whether racism is, you know, in New Zealand because, or in Australia as well, um, because it's so obvious to everybody who's not white. It's like it's this big secret, you know, and white people are just completely oblivious to it all while we've been saying stuff for years, you know, like it's not like these conversations this year because of the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd and all of that. It's not like those are new things. These are really old. These are things that have been going on for years and years and years. Um, And I guess just the social media age has brought that to the forefront of people who might not be, have been seeing it otherwise, you know, and no one likes to see someone getting murdered on camera. Um, so I guess it's been very confronting in that sense um, that I was just speaking about it before because um, I was saying kind of how heavy this year has been emotionally. And I think that all of the black people, at least that I know, um, and had spoke to around the time that that was all going down, it was so like, it was so real. Like it wasn't like we were seeing something on the news and being like, oh, that's sad. Like we were actually feeling it in our lives and, and it was affecting the way that I was like doing stuff day to day. And it was like, you know, it was like I lost, it was like I, someone I, it had happened to someone I knew, you know, that's how much it hit me. Um, so I think it's really good that the conversations are being a lot more like abrupt now. Um, I feel like there's a lot less room for, bullshit um of you know that people are saying how they feel a lot more now um but it's i guess it's about being able to mo- like move move that into change that we can see on a societal level you know? hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. No. Yeah, and you've talked... uh a bit in the past about coming into your identity after growing up in New Zealand as a mixed race child. So your dad's from Kenya and your mum's Pākehā, as you said before. Um, and at home, there's obviously a lot of mixed race Māori and Pākehā kids um, and at least a bit of Indigenous history taught in schools. I mean, how did you go about learning about your heritage and that journey of pride growing up in New Zealand? Well, I mean, honestly, it, d- it didn't happen until I left school. Um, and that's kind of like the truth of it all. I think that like when I was a teenager, like, you know, like a young teenager in those like real formative years, I was um, 
I was lucky that I had things like sports to keep my identity grounded in something that was that I could point my finger at and be like, yeah, that's who I am. But culturally, I had no idea who I was. I was really like self-hating um, for a long time. And honestly, like my journey with music is so like, I guess, special to me because it coincided so much with my identity journey into like who I am and what I stand for, what I believe. And I, I've been, I've been back to Kenya once um, and would love to go again. But I think for me, connecting to my blackness has been the first thing that I've done and, or at least the first thing that I've had the opportunity to do um, by connecting with other mixed or black people in New Zealand and in Australia as well, or overseas, like, and then, yeah, it's kind of been something that's happened quite organically since then. Um, and I was really lucky to meet people who were able to help me in that journey. Um, but I think it's something that's still obviously ever evolving. And I don't think I've reached my final, like, form yet, you know? We wanted to talk about the trip to Kenya because I wondered if you'd maybe put a lot of hopes about what that trip might do, like you put it on too much of a pedestal to be able to achieve what the trip was intended to achieve in terms of making sense of your identity or making sense of who you are. Yeah, I definitely, I knew it was going to be a huge culture shock. Like I knew that I was going to be very like confronted with some ideas that were going to be uncomfortable to work through for, for me personally. Um, more in terms of like, these are my people and, but these are people that I'm not connected to, you know, and like, I'm not connected. I wasn't connected to my culture as a kid in the way that I would have loved to have been, I guess. But for me, the main thing that I, that kind of came left field that I didn't think was going to happen was like, I'd had this kind of, I guess, experience of growing up in New Zealand where I felt very black a lot of the time and I mean people told me all the time you know like oh my god you're so black in the summer or whatever it was so I just had this perception of myself um and I was like oh you know I'm finally gonna go to a country where people don't look at me or people don't ask me where I'm from or people don't care that I'm there and it was like from the moment that I touched down in Kenya it became very apparent that um I was very, very fair, very fair, obviously as a mixed race person. But what that meant was that people treated me differently, uh, positively or negatively. Um, I think that like colorism is something that, you know, like people would either put me on a pedestal because I was um, had fair skin or they'd really hate me because I had fair skin and I guess the perception of having like an easier life or whatever it might be. So I really didn't, I almost felt more out of place in Kenya, surrounded by all my people than I did in New Zealand, where there was all sorts of colours. And um, that was really hard to realise. Um, very necessary, though, I think. And then I probably had, like, you know, like it wasn't until I went to places like London and New York and stuff where I actually had an experience with my blackness that was super relatable um, to the people I was hanging out with, they, they could see themselves in me and I could see myself in them. Um, so I actually probably gained more from those experiences um, than I did from being in Kenya. So that was really buzzy to kind of work through. Um, but now I think like it's been a couple of years since I went. Um, 
And I think I would have a different experience if I went back now. Um, just to like feel a little bit more settled in myself. And the creation of spaces where you can be around people that you feel safe with is obviously very important and very important to you because you created Filth. <laughs> can you talk to us about uh, just that whole experience? I guess Filth was created by me and my best friend and my DJ, Half Clean, because we went overseas to places like New York and London and we just went to these like crazy parties that were just like everything we wanted and more in terms of like the culture that was created by the parties, but also like the music that was being played um, and the types of people and what the parties stood for. And we just thought it was a really absent part of the Auckland nightlife um, from, I guess, as the perspective of a space, a queer focused space that prioritized people of color. And also from the standpoint of like the types of music in particular that me and Shaq, um, Half Queen, really love to hear when we go out. So we tried to sort of match them together and it's our love, little love child. So yeah, so that we started that not quite two years ago. And it's been super successful, right? Yeah, we, we kind of, it's funny because we're kind of in a bit of a like, I guess a limbo space with it at the moment because it's almost outgrown what we'd ever intended and it's really hard to have a party that is dedicated towards like a small kind of like corner of um, Auckland city nightlife culture, I guess. And then have it have like have it gain so much hype because then it reaches outside of the people it was deemed for, and that doesn't necessarily work for the original cope up of what we were doing. So we've kind of been yeah we've been sort of trying to figure out where we're going to take it in terms of like the actual party itself but as far as like filth as a brand like we'd love to take it outside of that nightlife culture and make it about you know try and reach the people who don't necessarily like going out or you know what I mean like I feel like the community is so vastly different and you know we talked about doing like DJ um you know classes and stuff or little workshops where people can learn to I don't know, do stuff or like um, I kind of wanted to think about doing a, a zine where we had like queer photographers and talent and, you know, ways to create a platform that's not just like, that's more than just a party. Um, but obviously that and it's all of that stuff, it's like a full-time job. So for me and, Sha- me and Shaq trying to juggle all of that, it's like quite a lot. Mm. So cool though. Um, you have said before that a lot of other women in the New Zealand, New Zealand music scene have been really supportive of you, which is great to hear in such a competitive industry. Lady Six, who you mentioned as one of your mentors, is actually a friend of mine. So I was like, so stoked to see that. She's the best. Um, we've That's talked cool. a lot in the past about internalized misogyny and how women can kind of be roadblocks in the way of other people's, other women's success. Is that something you kind of had to deal with in either music or sport, because they're both super competitive. The difference between netball and, and music is that in netball, there's 12 spots on a team. You can't have 14 girls. There's only 12 spots. So the competitive like aspect of netball is literally to beat the woman next to you to ensure your like position in a team. Whereas music is like, there's room for literally everyone and their dog. You know what I mean? Like, there's no limit to the amount of uh, 
women that could be successful in, or in, at least I think so. Um, when you, I guess when you remove the gatekeepers, um, but my, someone else doing well is sure as hell not stopping me from doing well. You know what I mean? Or it's not, it's not stopping the way that I work or the, or the goals that I have. It's not doing anything. So I think that my experience has actually been really positive with all the, the, the women that I've come across in the music industry um, thus far. And I think that in New Zealand, we're small enough so that that support can be quite real because I see people um, all of the time and we interact. So I think, I mean, I'm not sure how it would change in like a bigger, with a bigger population, but I think I've been, yeah, like all the women that I've been able to work with um, have been amazing. Great. Would vouch for them all day. Yeah, it's refreshing that you say that because we were we were listening to a podcast last week in the conversation we were having and it was to do with how record producers really made Nicki Minaj feel as if there was only room for like one female rapper at the top of her game and how it really fueled this totally unnecessary feud with Cardi B and how there is obviously room for both of them to be amazing and how unnecessary that whole thing was. So do you think that it's just who you're surrounding yourself with in New Zealand or do you just feel like maybe it's more of an American (laughs) entertainment industry thing? Well, I mean, I think that New Zealand is like very notoriously, you know, like our tall poppy syndrome here is terrible. Um, I mean, I could just be feeling this way because I'm one of very few, um, you know, women in hip hop specifically at the moment. at least getting recognized and booked for, you know, festivals and stuff. I think that American culture is very much hustler mentality. Like if there is a hundred people just like you who could do just as well as you, obviously there is that like um, need to stand out and that need to be, I guess, one of one. But in New Zealand, I feel like, no, it's been chill. I don't really have anything. I mean, like, I've done that's something so like... No, that's good. That's positive. <laughs> no, it's yeah. good. It's, it's we amazing. We don't need to hate someone. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it's different to other people in other industries we've spoken to, I guess. It's why it's nice to hear because it's very yeah. refreshing. I think from living in New Zealand and even knowing, like, a bunch of the people you're talking about and you know I feel like it's funny because as you said like while you were talking I was like New Zealand's tall poppy syndrome is so bad but then also I can see every person in that industry being really supportive and amazing so I'm like it's weird maybe we're just lucky with music I think maybe the tall poppy syndrome is more um for consume like from the pop like the greater population of New Zealand like we definitely love like uh, to, to make sure people stay humble and <laughs> all of that jazz. But I think that in the music industry itself, yeah, we, re- I mean, people might probably, I'm sure people have their op- like opinions about everyone behind closed doors, but over the summer, I'm seeing some people at 10 events, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like they're like work colleagues. You, re- you do have to like, you know, learn how to, um, be around people and be personable right like and I feel like in this industry like if I was just a dickhead everywhere I went I would find myself getting shut out of things pretty quick because people tend to talk um whereas maybe in America you could be a bit removed from that like you could be an absolute dickhead and still kind of go and perform 
across the other side of America and not be dealing with the same people, you know. The last thing we wanted to ask about was, you know, you've now basically had two careers in your lifetime already. You're talking about things like filth and like launching publica- publications and things like that. We're in this generation now where we can really kind of just carve a crazy pathway of a career for ourselves that isn't based off anything we've ever seen before are you being informed by like people you admire or idolize or are you really just feeling your way through your career as it happens yeah I'm definitely not trying to emulate anything I think it's just too hard because like creator like creative industries are so fickle in the sense that like I could put out a song tomorrow and go number one I could also put an album out next week and literally no one gives a fuck. So it's kind of like your your future is pretty up in the air. Like I obviously have goals and things I'm working towards and there are ways of ensuring that that happens, but I'm kind of just going with it, eh? I have no idea where the hell I'm going. I really don't. But I'm having fun while I'm doing it. So I'm kind of like, well, as long as I'm sort of liking what I'm doing, I might as well just keep going, see how far I can go right <laughs> like yeah well your music's bloody good so i feel like it'll be pretty far well thanks if it, if it doesn't go too far, i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna be like you said <laughs> you, you can join you can me. if it doesn't go very far you can just join us as the third co-host of the podcast hey, look, it actually sounds quite good i'll be keen yeah that can be your third chapter of your like metamorphosis yeah career yeah like, once again changes completely completely changes job <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting to us. Yes, thank you. It's been really great to talk to you. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.